Welcome everyone to another episode of the Project Brief here on the Boink Network Radio. And uh, today we're doing another Project Brief with my good old pal Jay Ringo. Woo! He said my name! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Alright, and today we have a very interesting project coming up. We're going and delving into the deep dark corners of Boink to discover the most interesting and unknown projects there are. Uh, so I as always, leave all questions for the end. Sorry. Not yet. Save it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as usual, keep all questions to the end where we're going to have a little bit of a discussion. And if you have any questions, type them into the chat. And uh, before we get going, if you're in the chat, um, see if you can find a way to pronounce uh, the project we're about to uh, mention today. So, uh, Jay Ringo, before we mention the project, uh, name one thing in your house that has not gone through a production line. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm scanning. I have a bag of... Does, it, does flour go through a production line? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I visited a flour mill last year. <laughs> um, so, like, a handmade thing. I made it, that, it, that paper plate with a smiley face. plate. Okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it does go through multiple people in a production line, then it still counts as the production line. It doesn't have to go through a conveyor belt. Um, honestly, I can't find much around here that hasn't gone through a production line, probably. Um, but yeah, probably that macaroni paper plate is one. And I have a cute little um, clay pen holder thing that I made when I was in, I don't know, year seven or something, when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> Where do you did, did the clay go through a production line? Actually, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, folks, says he has yeah, a hand I can't find anything. She carved himself. What'd you so, carve yeah, it? A lot of things. You carved the knife. So I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway, the point is that a lot of stuff goes through a production line. And uh, that's one very important aspect of our lives that we need to protect and we need to improve. So, uh, the project that we're talking about today is as probably everyone would probably pronounce as Jurassim at home. Okay, so it's spelt G-E-R-A-S-I-M. Now, that's not the correct pronunciation. <laughs> so everyone start guessing, and I'll give you the right pronunciation uh, as, uh, towards the end, probably. I just typed my guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you're in the chat, type it like how you would say it. So... Use a number of letters, just however. See if you can do a good job. Otherwise, we'll call some people in the chat towards the end to have a good guess. <laughs> but for now, I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly as Jurassim at home until we get to the end. So uh, before we get going, I do have to mention that this project is a Russian project and the entire web page was written in Russian. So I had to do my best job in translating anything. And if anyone here is Russian or if anyone is listening here who is Russian, please tell us or tell me if I have mentioned anything wrong uh, or anything like that. So just keep that in mind. Jurassic at Home started in 2007 uh, and I basically had to learn Russian maths to read the web page. <laughs> uh, and it's it's sort of like a meta project. Jurassic is sort of like a meta project at the moment. So not all of it is maths, um, but currently it's working on optimized... Uh, optimal diagonal Latin squares, which we talked about earlier in a previous project brief. And it's also working on logical multi-controllers, which is interesting. So because we've already talked about Latin squares before, we're going to talk a bit about robotics. So a production line often has robotics in it, or at least something that's automated, or at least something that passes through separate different processes and reaches an end goal. So 
to automate something with robotics, you often need to sense things. So you need to take some sort of input, maybe a camera, maybe a sensor, maybe a radioisotope detector. Then you have a process. So you need to follow a set of steps in order to achieve a goal. And then finally, you get an output, which is making something happen. So maybe an actuator to go and move something. You might have a laser go and weld something together. You might have a high-pressure water valve that cuts some metal or something like that. And that's the output. So the project does focus on logical controllers. So what that means is it doesn't take just anything in. So it doesn't take a sound or anything. It takes binary inputs. So it'll have to take some sort of set of ones and zeros, process those ones and zeros, and then send out an output with ones and zeros. And that's what makes the project very easy to program and put into an application so that people can crunch it. Because after all, our computers are not very well suited to natural sound processing or uh, continuous light a spectrum and spectrometry, but they are very good with the binary. So um, with these logical controllers, you can turn them into a logical multi-controller by adding a lot more controllers into one box. And so the purpose of putting all these controllers into one box is to improve the redundancy and efficiency of basically the box, the processor, whatever processes the automation. And so it's very interesting how this works. If you're a programmer, you have usually write a program and then the computer with one single computer core will run through that program and just go through it and whatnot. All right, unless you're doing some funky stuff like multiprocessing or anything like that. But even then, you'll have single things running on single processors. With logical multi-controllers, it's almost as if you take this program and you put different parts on different processors. So uh, maybe processor one will uh, take the input and crunch the input. And then processor two will then take the input and then um, do something else with it. And then processor three will take part of what processor two did and process a bit of a loop. So it's very interesting how this works. And because uh, all of these things are working together on different parts of the program, it can get very, very complex very quickly. So the goal of Jurasim is to create the most efficient multi-controllers. And uh, you have, uh, uh, one second. Okay, yeah. So you have a number of different factors that go into the effectiveness of a multi-controller. So you've got the expense side of it, how expensive is it? Uh, you got the complexity of it, so how complex is it, and complexity sort of ties into expensiveness, so if you need more processes, you need more materials, and then also robustness, so how much do you want the processes to fail before the entire system fails. And so what Jurasim does is it has an algorithm to try and find the best multi-controller, and here's how it works. So first of all, a heuristics algorithm, which means just basically guessing random things, but making an educated guess, creates a random but somewhat good multi-controller. Right? So it separates the processes inside the multi-controller to do different parts of the program in a particular way. And all it does is just change the wiring, because that's pretty much all you need to do. And the wiring is how the processes are connected to each other to process the actual algorithm. And then after we've created some uh, good circuits, a, an expert or even a customer will come in and say, okay, I want these specific requirements for a multi-controller. I need it to be cheap, not very complex, but I want it to be ro as robust as possible. And then the software will then select the best multi-controllers out of that set that it produced that satisfy those requirements. And you're probably thinking, why do you need computation with this like Boink? It's just 
simple computing stuff is probably an easy way to check where the program goes which way and which way and make it the most efficient and robust. But it's not. <laughs> Even for a simple algorithm, maybe a five or six different processes, which is probably the average amount that's used in robotics and production lines nowadays, um, Jurasm actually gives a bit of a metric for that. So uh, assuming one circuit, so processing one multi-controller, takes one millisecond to construct and to test, then finding the combination between a pretty average or decent program would take more than 100 million years to find all the possible circuits. And so that's why we need that processing. And that's why Dresem is also trying to find different algorithms and testing different algorithms that people have come up with to actually find these multi-controllers and find the best ones. So this project is very similar to DHEP, for those of you that know uh, or remember DHEP. For those of you that don't know, DHEP was a project that tried to make the best logical circuit uh, for different purposes, not for microcontrollers and, and stuff like that. Uh, but it was trying to find the best digital um, binary circuit. And the way it did it was it did it using genetic algorithms. So you'd compete with your circuit against other people's circuits and you'd all be in a fantastical battle to victory to find the best circuit. Uh, and so instead of doing that, Jurassic focuses on testing other people's theories, which are actually more mathematical rather than um, just get everyone to go and have a go and do the genetic algorithm sort of stuff. But it is possible, and I would say it is possible to... Uh, get Jurassic doing genetic algorithms. Uh, according to Jurassic, there are 40 related papers to the project, so they've done quite a bit of research by the looks of it. Uh, unfortunately, the tasks are CPU only and Windows only, as far as I've checked. And uh, last time I checked, they have plenty of tasks, so they are very active. Uh, and I think recently they said they were updating their server, I think. So, um, Yep, yeah, that brings us towards the end of this project brief. Next time, I have no clue what I'm doing, and I'm going to go and search the deep, dark corners of Boink to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, also, before I move on to the questions, it's been a long time since I mentioned Zooniverse, but they have some, <laughs> really, they, they have some really interesting projects. I hopped on the other week, and I found some really, really good stuff. Uh, I know there's Galaxy Zoo that has some really cool um, galaxy identification stuff again. There's also some radio telescope uh, blips from, a, I think, a Canadian radio telescope where you can go and detect uh, sounds from outer space and hopefully maybe find aliens. So it, it's basically SETI at home, but with your eyes. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check Zooniverse.org out and um, yeah, hopefully you'll find something fun there. But I, I've been doing it over the last couple of weeks because they, they've released some new projects and it's been really fun. All right. Um, so yeah, now it's time for questions. So let's this see how people did with the pronunciations. This is a great project. I like when Deep Dark Horses, uh Well. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. All right, uh, let's check out some of the pronunciations. All right, do you have a different one, Jay Ringo? Is, you'd like to attempt? Well, I, I tried uh, Gerasim. Geron. <laughs> I'm trying to go guttural here. It's Russian? I don't, I don't know what Russian uh, is. Like. Boy Sanic says Gerasim. That is incorrect. Crunchy Haggis says G-Rasim. G-Rasim. No, like a chant. Come on, man, he says it right there. <laughs> uh, no, buddy, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. G-Rasim. G-Rasim. Where's the stress? Can you give us a hint? Like, where's the stress in the At the very start. G-Rasim. 
<laughs> no, you're all using the wrong first letter. Chursum. <laughs> Zersum. What? It's a G. <laughs> it's not a G. In Russian, it's not a G. Oh. Well, that's cheating. All right. In English, I'll, I'll it get is the a G. proof for you guys, but it is Harasim. <laughs> uh, I thought it was going to be so much different. I'm still glad to know now. Yeah. So there's there's the proof if you want to go and check the Russian dictionary. Uh, thanks to Vitaly for telling me. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been saying Jerasim the whole time. But according to the, the Russian dictionary and Vitaly, it's Harasim. But hey, I said that I was going to be wrong the whole time. <laughs> and everyone else was wrong the whole time. <laughs> All right, um, let's check some questions. I think we're towards the end. Um, Yes, yeah, so Sackpop mentions, this sounds like the sort of thing that can be commercialized. Any plans or thoughts on that? Uh, as far as the project goes, it's definitely possible, and I can see in my own eyes, that it can be commercialized. Um, the only thing is, uh, Harassim doesn't have any uh, plans or anything that I've read on their website to actually do that. Uh, my thoughts are they should at least try maybe team up with a company or um, find an, a company to work with or a research and development team or something like that, which would be a great thing for Boink and it'd, it'd pretty much make news, which is great for Boink. Okay, uh, another question from Sackpop. Uh, is there anything you can comment regarding the different approaches between Harasim and DHEP? <laughs> which ones are coming with better results? Which method is more efficient? Uh, it seems like a good case study for comparison purposes. So. Um, the projects are sort of like, they're the same, but not the same. <laughs> so um, Harasim focuses on logical multi-controllers. So that's bringing multiple different processes together and creating a big box that does a whole bunch of stuff. Whereas DHEP is about making those individual processes or components within those processes. So um, with regards to which ones come with better results, um, if Better means faster, then DHEP is definitely much faster because it's focusing on much smaller circuits. But if better means more efficient, um, I'll have to say that Harasim is more deterministic. So it means that you know that you're going to eventually get to a good um, circuit. Whereas DHEP, it's sort of you don't necessarily know, which is the nature of the genetic algorithm. Because the genetic algorithm could get stuck in a particular state. So it could be saying, oh, um, I'm going to go down this path and then I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going left, keep going left. And then I'm going to go right at like 50 things down the road. And then, oh, I might change. Maybe we'll go right 40 things down the road and something like that. And you can get stuff stuck in that sort of area there based on the genetic algorithms, which means it's not very deterministic. So um, as far as I've seen some of the results from Harasim, it's been pretty good so they, they've been testing algorithms and they've tested them to be quite quite good so they're doing pretty well and DHEP did pretty well too all right we've got another question here from boy Sanic. uh what purpose did they lay out for the project i understand it's, uh it's to find efficient circuits and factory gear production systems but what was their goal so uh because most boink projects start off with research this one was actually researching the different algorithms so there's a number of different algorithms to solve the logical multi-controller issue. And a lot of it stems off of graph theory. So it, mainly all of the maths and the theories and the algorithms focus on manipulating graphs and changing stuff with graphs. And uh, to be clear, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, these are the mathematical graphs, not the statistical graphs. So if you want to learn more about graphs, I have some other project briefs beforehand that will let you know what they are all about. But uh, 
yeah, the, the goal here was to test the different algorithms as they came about and to see which ones can find the best ones the, in the fastest time with the highest effectiveness rate. But now as the project's moving on, it's invested into doing some more maths with Latin squares. And I think it teamed up with, um, I don't know, I think it was SR base that um, Horosim was joining up with. Um, unless it was, a, yeah, it might have been a different project. But I know that Horosim is now doing um, optimal diagonal Latin squares. So, yeah, they've diversified a little bit now. And they're sort of turning into a meta project right now. They're turning into a meta today. <laughs> That's next year. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, do you have any questions, Jeringa? No, I think the same projects. Like, dig into the dark corners. I want you to drag out biggest boink hairball. <laughs> the biggest and possible. baddest <laughs> boink projects. There's a lot. I've been doing a lot of research on uh, boink projects workshop, and there's a lot out there. And once you get through the ones that are running now, there's a lot that are. They still have websites, and like they stopped doing stuff in 2007. Like, why do you still pay for this website? <laughs> Ah, yes, the good old 2007 websites. <laughs> well, you got project for days, my dude. Yeah, I guess I'll probably just go on a Boink Stats and scroll through the project list. <laughs> I'll find one that sounds really out there and that, someone, that no one's ever heard of. I look forward to it. Cool. Thank you, everyone, for coming to the project brief, and hopefully next time we'll have a good project. See ya.